0: Friends, we're going to start off just a little different. I'm going to invite you to stand. And together, I want us to affirm our faith in Christ, affirm our our Christian faith by reciting together the Apostles' Creed. So let us now affirm our faith by reciting together the Apostles' Creed. Next slide. (laughs) I believe in God, the Father, mighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. As we we start the message this morning, we are actually going to do a a special Advent sermon series, and it's from one of the lines with that we just recited, Born of the Virgin Mary. And so we're going to take some time to look at the passages that talk about Mary's faith as she received um, this message that she would give birth to the Son of God. Um, she's one of the two people mentioned in that, you know, along with Pontius Pilate. So she was at the birth and then not just pilot at, at the death of Christ when I was a kid there was a radio station that was offering a free trip to Disney and so we signed up as a family I remember like we, we are excited we had been to Disney before and you know the thought of going again was great I remember it was WGAR and the main guy was John Lannigan and it might have been a, both a radio and a TV station if I remember right Um. And so we put our name in, and my mom had a brother who was a bit of a prankster. And so she gets a call, and that, that's her, his name is Uncle Glenn, and the, the, on the phone call she says, Hello, this is John Lanigan. Is this Linda Reed? And she says, Glenn, is that you? <laughs> she says, No, this is John Lanigan from WGAR, letting you know that you have won the free trip to Disney. Glenn, stop it. Because she, she knew her brother. And, and so she's not going to believe, you know, what he's trying to pull off. Later that day, we turned on the radio and we heard, Glenn, is that you? <laughs> we did win. Like, it was awesome. And uh, despite our lack of faith, they didn't take the prize away from us. We still got to go. And I, as a kid, I remember it's like the one time I got to be in a hotel with like an elevator. We always stayed at, like those motels, you know. Had an elevator that you could look out. Like it, it was fun. So I was pretty young, though. I only remember it a little bit. This morning, I want to look at the response of Mary to the announcement that she would give birth to the the Son of God. That she, a a maiden, a virgin, would would give birth to the Son of God. But I want to look at it by comparing it to. Zechariah, who was her uncle. So there, the angel Gabriel made an announcement to two different people about the birth of a baby. So I, Luke put these, the Gospel of Luke, puts these two, two announcements by Gabriel side by side. And I think he, he did that so that we would look at it and compare it. And then we'll end with the passage that um, we, we, in our main text, and that kind of pulls them together. So so Luke highlights the faith of Mary by contrasting it with that of Zechariah. Both receive a visit from the angel Gabriel, though the visits look very different. And Gabriel at one point says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you. So God entrusts Gabriel. He must have some special role within the angelic host of giving this message. And he's speaking directly from God when he shows up. So, who are the two people? well, Zechariah and Mary so who is zechariah we, we don 't know as much about him he is is Mary's uncle uh, or maybe his wife elizabeth was was Mary's aunt. He is a priest he's uh, so that means he has religious training he has educate, he'd been educated he would know the 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 Old Testament law and prophets he would know all the things that that would kind of lead one to be ready for the Messiah as as the the candle, the hope candle. That can also sometimes be called the prophets' candle because the prophets had foretold that that such a thing would happen. Would God would send His Messiah? So Zechariah would be educated in all of that. Um, it says he's he's a good man that he was blameless. He walked blamelessly along with his wife Elizabeth. But but, they were, but she was barren. They were an older couple who had never had children and probably got to the point where they assumed there, there's no way they could now have children. So that's Zechariah. Mary was young, quite likely a teenager, 15 or 16 years old, quite possibly. She seems to have some knowledge in the way she responds, but she would not have had any of the formal training maybe not even like the the Hebrew school stuff that the boys would have had uh, the passage stresses a couple things one it stresses that she was a virgin a maiden that she had not been married um, but that she was betrothed now in Hebrew culture at the time betrothal was a bit stronger than our engagement it wasn't quite the same as well wow, they're engaged or anything it wasn't like they it's not like her and Joseph had dated and decided. It's more likely that their parents had set this up. And so, um, so but she was betrothed to be married, but it had not yet happened so that she's still a virgin. So that's the, that's the who. What's the where? Well, the location is different. For Zechariah, Gabriel appears to him in Jerusalem and actually in the very temple in Jerusalem. So it says in Luke 1, and all the passages I'm going to share, I kind of have the if you the, the green thing. It has the, the scriptures that kind of go all the way through it. I'm covering quite a bit of territory, but I'm going to briefly refer to uh, quite a bit. But it says, now while he, Zechariah, was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. So there would have been some full-time priests who lived in Jerusalem and they would have always been, especially those of the high priest family. But then there were other priests who maybe would have like a season when their, their, their grouping would be in charge and they would come and offer special things. That seems to be Zechariah. In other words, he probably had a, a, another job as well. Like he didn't live off his, his work as a priest. This was an occasional thing. Um, Maybe a bit like being in the National Guard, kind of equivalent for us. So his, his time came up. He's chosen by Lot to get to be the one that burns incense within the holy place of the temple. Not the holy of holies, but the holy place where priests would go. And he's there. I'm sure he has a checklist in his mind. Make sure you do this. It's not like he's done this before where it's old hat right? He's probably thinking through, I need to make sure I do this. I need to do this. Got to burn incense. Got to, bre-, you know, these different tasks. The last thing Zechariah expected while he was serving in the temple of the Lord was for the Lord to actually show up or send an angel to speak to him. So he's there. I mean, like, you know, he's there and all of a sudden Gabriel comes. I, I mean, I guess it makes sense. If God were to show up in his temple would be a, it makes sense that he would show up there. So that's the where for Zechariah, but what about for Mary? She's quite a ways away. So I have this little map. It might be a bit hard to see, but up at the top is Nazareth. This is a village nowhere. If it weren't for Jesus, no one would have known this, this town name of Nazareth, right? No, no, nobody knows much about it. It's not near anything important. It's up in the... the the, the hill area in Galilee. Down south is Jerusalem or the temple where the, the, the main part of Judea was. So not a place where you would expect God to show up or the Savior to grow up, up in Galilee in the north. Each of them uh, are greeted by the angel. So... For Zechariah, he starts off by saying, do not be afraid, Zechariah. So the verse before that, it starts off with, and Zechariah was troubled when he saw him. It says the angel was standing on the right side of the altar. Now, in the, the, the Holy of Holies, it's not like it had, it would not have had any natural light. It would have maybe had some, some candelabra type things. It would have probably been very dark. And Zechariah is there. He's assuming he's the only one in the place. Can you imagine like you're in a dark room and all of a sudden there's someone there you're, you weren't expecting to be there? Zechariah got a little freaked out. And so the angel says, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayers have been heard. Your petition has been heard. Um, so Gabriel has to calm him down a bit and lets him know that that. Something good is about to happen. He's giving him a good announcement. We'll get into what that is later. So that's how he's greeted. Mary is greeted um, so a little differently. As far as we know, it was outdoors. It says, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. It says, but Mary was greatly troubled at the saying. So they both are troubled. Zechariah was troubled just like the surprise of seeing Gabriel. For Mary, it, she was troubled by what he says. The greeting itself made her troubled. Um, it says that Mary was thinking about, um, she, she's trying to think, what's he trying to say? She was one, trying to discern, trying to think out what sort of greeting this might be. What does it mean, "O oh, favored one? Um, the Lord is with you. So, so her, she's a bit troubled in this. Let's get to the message proper. So for for both of them, the message comes down to a baby will be born. For Zechariah, good news. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call him his name John. So their prayers that they had prayed for are going to be answered. The only problem from Zechariah's thing is, yeah, this is about 10 to 20 years late, right? Like we stopped praying for that about 10 years ago. Yeah. Like God's timing seems a little off for them. I I mean, what's going on here? Well, the thing is the birth is not about Zechariah or Elizabeth. The the angel says, you know, many, you, you will have joy and gladness because of this. Why did, why did God wait so long? It's not about you. God's timing, he knows what he's doing, right? And his timing may not have anything to do with what you're thinking because God could overcome this barrenness thing and their age is no obstacle for God. God has a plan for this child. And it says he will turn many of, of, the, of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go for them in the spirit, of, uh, spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to the children and, and the disobedient of the wisdom and of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. His assignment, their son's assignment, Elijah, or uh, John, he will be sort of like the prophet Elijah, have that same power, that same kind of message, and it will set up the coming of the Messiah. That is his assignment. So that's the message of Zechariah. What about the message to Mary? For Mary is, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, because he had freaked her out with the, the intro he gave to that. And so, so in essence, the, the angel says to both of them in the end, do not be afraid. It says, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. So there's three things in the message of Gabriel that we learn about Jesus. One is that he will be the Savior. Now, it doesn't use the word Savior, but when it says, you will call him the name Jesus, I, I, the Matthew 1 passage they read, that the name Jesus itself means the one who sent to save, the Lord saves. So by calling him Jesus, that means that he's Savior. Later it says, he will be great and will be called Son of God of the Most High. So he'll be a Savior. He'll be the Son of God himself. And then thirdly, it says he will be the Messiah. It says the Lord, will go, the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. David had been the great king a 1,000 years ago, and so the Messiah would be a son of David, would be a king like David. So Savior, Son of God, and Messiah. And all of that is a fulfillment of prophecy. So for for Zechariah, their son would be known as John the Baptist. This is a fulfillment of Malachi 4, 5, almost the last verse of the Old Testament. If you would flip back to the very end of the Old Testament, you would read this, where it says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. So what Gabriel says to Zechariah almost matches exactly what that prophecy is in Malachi. For for Gabriel's message to Mary, it's drawing out of Isaiah chapter, various places in Isaiah. Isaiah 7 where it talks about uh, the virgin shall conceive and will bear a son and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. So that's a way of saying he will be God in our midst, or the Son of God? And then Isaiah 9, it talks about how the child to be born. It says the government will be on his shoulders, and he will receive the throne of David. So it's the same aspects. Both both of these things, Isaiah or uh, Gabriel is pointing ahead that this is a fulfillment of the Scriptures. So here's the thing I was thinking about. Here's where I think the comparison gets interesting. Which of the two would be harder to believe. Which, between Mary and Zechariah, which which is more unprecedented, right? It would be more like, no, how do you believe this? I mean, for Zechariah, his son will be a forerunner to the, the Messiah, and he will be like a new Elijah, you know, and they would have known about Elijah the prophet from the past. So, so his son would fit within the prophetic mold. But for Mary, her son will not only be the Messiah, her son will be the son of God. There's no precedent for that. There, there's nothing, it, it, within Israel at least. Now, if it was amongst the Greeks and Romans, you know, they they worship these pagan gods who would have sons and daughters in, you know, Zeus especially was known for cavorting with women. Sometimes they weren't even consensual. And, and bearing sons. And so if it was among the pagan Greeks, you know, God to have a son would be eh, no big deal. But this is amongst the Jewish people who knew if one thing, that there was only one high most God transcendent above the universe. This God is not like Zeus who would come and cavort with women and, and have children like that. And yet, that very same God was now announcing to her she would bear forth one who would be son of the Most High. God was doing something unprecedented through her. Moreover, it was not unprecedented for like Zechariah and, and uh, Elizabeth, even though they were old and barren, to have children. God had done that in the past, uh, Abraham and Sarah same deal right so it was not unprecedented for that to happen it had never happened before that one who is a virgin who had been with no man would bear forth a child this would be a one time thing in all of human history it's not like they were naive back then and they you know they they thought that this kind of thing could happen you know Mary's like this this how could this be? How, how will this happen? She knew that this would be unprecedented and that only God could do it. And that's why they could say it was Emmanuel, God in our midst. So, my argument is Mary's got a harder one to believe. Uh, they both get to ask one question. I guess maybe it's a rule. If an angel speaks to you, you get one question, right? Don't, don't. Don't ask for something stupid, right? You know, what's for dinner? Um, You know, make it it count. And so Zechariah, his question is, how shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. Do you hear the skepticism in that question? How shall I know this? How shall I know that this is going to happen? Right? He's asking for proof. Maybe he's even assuming kind of, this can't happen. It, my, have you looked at my wife? You know, th- this is not... And and Gabriel takes it that way. He Gabriel rebukes Zechariah for his lack of, That's where Gabriel says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God and he sent me to speak to you. Why should you believe it? Because I'm an angel, right? Like, I'm telling you, that's enough reason. I'm from God. So... Yeah. Um, But Mary, her question is a little different, I think. It it might sound the same, but it's not. It says, how will this be since I am a virgin? So Mary is not asking about whether this can happen. She's like saying, how will you bring this about? She's assuming if God says it, it's going to be. But how will it be Given the simple fact that this doesn't happen, I'm a virgin. Maybe she's wondering, am I expected to do something here? Maybe hasten this engagement with Joseph? And she gets a clear answer for her question. No, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will give birth. In other words, you are to remain a virgin. God's going to do this. By his own power. They both get a sign. A way to kind of help know that it's true, help affirm that it's true. Just like when God spoke to Moses and Moses said, how how can I know this? God gave, do you remember the sign God gave to Moses? What what does a staff turn into? A snake. Pretty good sign. I wouldn't mind to see that one myself. Like, that would help me believe the, their sign is still pretty good. Um, well, Ze- Zechariah's is not so good. Zechariah's uh, sign is part of the rebuke. And Gabriel says, Okay, you don't believe this can happen? For the next nine months, you are not going to be able to speak. You will be mute as you watch your wife get more and more pregnant. Right? So that's how you're going to know. You're not even going to be able to speak until it happens. Um, so they both, uh, yeah, and behold your relative Elizabeth. Okay, so no, I'm sorry. Uh, so that's Zechariah's sign. Mary's sign is related to that. In fact, it's almost, you can almost say it's the same thing. So, so what does Gabriel say to Mary to help her know that God could do this? Here's, this is verse 36, and it says, Behold, your relative, your aunt Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. You want to know it's true? I've already given one, one, one woman who never thought she'd ever bear children is now pregnant, and so that's Mary's sign. So what is Mary going to do as soon as she, she gets done with this? She's going to make haste and go see Elizabeth, go see this for herself, And go interact with her with her aunt. Um, So they each get a sign, they each show some signs of initial faith. So here's what happens when Zechariah comes out of the temple and he, he comes out and says, And when he came out, after Gabriel said, You're not gonna be able to speak, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. Like, he's got to figure out, how do I, how do I convey what happened? And he really can't. That they know he saw something, but they don't even know what it is. And then when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. So he must have been staying near the temple and not going back to his house. And then, so the next verse says, and he went to his home. And after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. So do you see where Zechariah had a sign of faith? I think it's in between verse 23 and verse 24. He went home, and his wife Elizabeth conceived. So, so Zechariah had to take some step in between that, those two verses that, that played a part, that he, he showed he believed enough to do one thing, and that is, yeah, um, played a part with his wife. And so, you know... Zechariah's faith is not strong. In fact, what, here, here's how I describe it. Zechariah had a little faith. That's the same phrase Jesus used with his disciples. In fact, in Sunday school today, uh, uh, we talked about, Candace talked about how Peter was called, Jesus said to Peter, he, you are a little faith, right? I, I think a lot of it sometimes are, are little faith, right? This is, the disciples often had trouble believing what Jesus was doing, and so... A little faith means there's something there, but you're just, you just have trouble believing it's actually going to happen. And that, it's not like Zechariah rejected belief. He's just like, can this really happen? Here's, here's the good news. If you are like a Zechariah, like you're a little faith, Jesus says that's enough. It's enough for God to work with. He says if you have faith, even the size of a, a smallest mustard seed, God can take that faith And he can grow it. He can grow it so that you could believe great things. But you've got to start with that faith. You've got to hear enough and respond in what way you can. That's that's the good news of, of a little faith. God can build that as you learn to follow him and trust him. While Zechariah had a little faith, I'd characterize Mary. Mary had a simple faith look at her response. After Gabriel gave her this message, what does she say after she gets her question answered about how it will take place? She simply says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Think about what it would cost Mary to say yes to God's plan. She would be a single mom everyone would assume the worst of her. It would bring disgrace upon her. At this point, she has no idea if Joseph is going to go along with this. She doesn't know how her parents are going to respond. In fact, we never find out. Um, Likely, they did not respond well. Yet, she knew, she didn't understand what was happening or all that it would have meant, but she knew God was saying it. She had a simple faith. Let it be to me, as you have said. I am going to believe your word, and I'm going to trust it, even if I don't understand it. So oftentimes, I don't understand what God is doing, or why God is waiting so long, or why, why things are happening the way, the way they are. I am, maybe all of us, maybe you as well, there are times, Lord, I don't understand what you're doing, but I'm going to trust you anyways. I'm going to resolve one thing in my life. I am your servant. Jesus is my Lord, and I'm going to trust in him. We set our allegiance on Christ our Savior. Even if we don't have great faith, we, we have simple faith. That's enough. What I want to point out today is for both Mary and, and, and Zechariah, we see their faith come alive. That's what I love about this, this story when does it happen for Zechariah? It happens when John is born. Remember, he can't speak even what name the child should be. And, and so when the, the people around say, oh, maybe we should name him after you, Zechariah, Zechariah Jr. And, and he writes, no, his name is John because that's what Gabriel said it would be. And as soon as he writes that, and says, and he asked for a writing tablet and wrote his name is John. And they all wondered And immediately his mouth was open and his tongue loosed and he spoke, blessing God. His little faith was turned into something more. And now he's praising God for the way God God has done something he never thought could have happened. His faith came alive. What about for Mary? How did her faith came alive? We saw in her initial response, right? Let it be to me as you've said, I am the Lord's servant. She was determined, but she wasn't joyful, was she? It's like, okay, if this is what it means, I'll follow. Right? It was a determination. But but what we see, what does she do? As soon, and this is where our text actually starts that we read. As soon as she gets this message, she goes right away, and it says, She went into the hill country to a town in Judah where um, there's Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt. So little John leapt in her room when, when Mary came, who has even littler Jesus within her. So these two babies in the womb who, who, who somehow recognize each other. And, and it says Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So, so Elizabeth is able by God's Spirit to realize the whole truth of what's going on. And, and so she just, she just bursts forth. She exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And, and why is it granted to me that the mother, my Lord, should come to me? And she explains how, how the baby with her just, just leapt at the baby Jesus when he showed up. So, so we see Elizabeth's faith. But even more, that wakes up the faith of Mary. And, and, and the next thing that happens is actually Mary burst into song. We're going to, in a future sermon, look closely at, at Mary's song. But think about this for Mary. You know, she, she needed those words. I think she needed an adult. If I'm right about her being a teenager or even just a really young adult, she needed an older adult who would see what was going on, someone who would believe her when she said it. And that is what helps Mary's faith comes alive. It says, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. It's no longer just a termination. Now she's full of joy about what God is doing. All because of the words of Elizabeth, an adult, who cared enough to to see her and what was going on. Can I ask you, when has someone spoken words of life to you? Maybe when you were a young person and and you you needed someone who could understand and be with you and speak those kind of words into your life. Last week, our, our volunteer youth leaders were up here and they were talking about, and I think we all know now that, that Nick and Ruth are, are moving away and we're gonna be sad to see them go. The volunteer youth leaders expressed, we are determined to keep this ministry going because we know we are getting teenagers here that, that um, some of them are our church kids, but also some of their friends and some of them don't yet know Jesus is the best thing that's ever happened and they want them to. And so they were throwing out the invitation We need more adults who will be willing to invest in the lives of these kids, to speak words of life into their hearts and minds. I think we have this opportunity, whether it's as a youth leader or in different ways, in the body of Christ, to to get to know younger people, whether it's that or whether it's kid venture, kids of different ages. Um, You see what Elizabeth had? So we had little faith, simple faith, Elizabeth had a mature faith. She didn't get an angelic visitation. She simply has a husband who comes home from the temple unable to speak. <laughs> like, like, what do you make of that? Like, think about, like, if you were Elizabeth, okay, all right, and then all of a sudden, she's pregnant. Oh, you got to love that. So, so it says, after these days, this is how, after these days the, uh, Elizabeth conceived, and for five months, she kept herself hidden, right? Do, do I tell anyone about this? Like, this can't be. Like, imagine what's going on to her heart. For five months, she's like, what do I do? Um, it says, thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. But she knew one thing. Because of mature faith, she knew God was up to something, and for that, she trusted in him. And that, that's how it leads into her speaking these words into to Mary. Um, her faith came alive when baby John leapt it up in her womb and filled with the Holy Spirit. And what does she do? That enables her to look beyond her own situation and really see young Mary. Our normal operating pro- thing, if you're in it all like me, and I bet you are, our normal operating mode is to think about ourselves, think about our problems, think about what's going on in our life. We can't help it. That's our normal way. And to some extent, we need to that. But but when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we're able to look beyond ourselves and see others, listen to others, care about others. I don't think on our own we could do this, Right? It, we love because God first loved us. We have to have God's Holy Spirit to really have, a, have care and concern and love for others. And there's a joy in that love. It's so much more than just the grim determination of religious duty. Because now we know God's power is really at work in us. And that's when we see amazing things. What I want to ask you and challenge you for this Sunday and really this Hall of Advent... What would it look for you if your faith came alive? What would it look like for you if the Holy Spirit filled you in a way that changed your normal operating procedure? So that you could love and see others and care for them. Last thing. Jesus says there's one gift God loves to give says, God is a good father. He, he likes to give good gifts to his children. But in, in, in Luke 11, it says, you know, even though you who are normal, evil parents at times, you know, not, not all that great, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? God wants to give us that gift. God wants you to walk out of this sanctuary later filled with the Holy Spirit, with his joy and his ability to to live out your faith. As we come to to the Lord's Supper to share in communion this morning, and and as the worship team comes up and gets ready, I want to give you a a chance. We always come and we take some time before we come to, to invite God to examine our hearts. I want you to specifically talk to God about, are you allowing, are you, are you, would you want to ask God to fill you with that Holy Spirit? We all come needing more of God in our life, needing more of faith that, that, that is built up. So as we get ready to come, let's, in, in kind of silent examination and confession, let's get ready to receive um, the, the Lord as we come to the communion table. Let's pray together on our own.